There. Ready? Mm-hmm. Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, the number one business comedy comedy business podcast show. Yep. That's it. Lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah, baby. Fashion. Uh, this is a really good episode. Uh, we didn't know our guest, Wes Matthews, is the founder and CEO of uh, High Level Marketing, an agency that's made a thousand, 2,000 websites under contract, he said. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Been around for 12 years, figured out the process, doing $21 million in revenue last year. Got over 100 employees. Love how we threw that out there, too. Yeah. I, shit. It's like Six if I got the Heisman in college, I'd be wearing that on around my neck. If I made $21 million in revenue for my business I started a dozen years ago. Yeah. Gold chain around your neck. Yeah. All right. We can't start another show. No, no, no. Afterwards. Well, I just, I'm excited. It was a good it interview. It was good. Um, Don't stop listening. Hey, speaking of balling, 2020's best small, medium enterprise business advisory podcast in the United States, 2021's best podcast and streaming entertainment studio eastern united states and uh what's the other one we just won international Business podcast of the year boom corporate live wire international xxx i don't remember we're global i sent it to my mom she thought it was a real word oh, um this episode of sweat equity is brought to you by viome gut biome intelligence test you want to know the flora and fauna of your of your gut Gut intelligence test supplements uh, with our link gets you 70% off with, for health insights, personal food recommendations, precision supplements formulated just for you. Hit the link in the episode description and get the hookup. Holler if you hear me. Let's go talk to Wes Matthews in Michigan. Howdy, Tony! What about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. What sweat equity? My, my, my sweat equity. Sweat equity. What about my sweat equity? Wesley, Wes, can I call you Wes? Yeah, for sure. How you doing? Good. How are you? Where, where are we talking to you? Where do you, uh, where are you about right now? Yeah, so I'm in Michigan, so I'm in a suburb outside of Detroit, about 40 miles from Detroit. Oh, nice. Uh, what about you guys? We're in Tampa. Awesome. I'm nice in Sarasota next week. Can't oh, yeah? Wait. Well, yeah. let us know if you, you make it up the hour drive up. Uh, we'll we'll get you a cigar over yeah, at Ebor. Awesome. Um, Michigan, eh? Uh, so yeah. now we, we like to ask all our first guests that, especially by way of Booker, um, if, have you listened or watched this show before? I have not. <laughs> okay. See, Good. I was going to, I was like, no, you test them. Yeah. But... Right, and the suit and tie is not normal. What are you talking about? And we, he didn't wear it for that reason. He's wearing it just because we looked uh, white trash in the last episode. So we're trying to step it up. Yeah. Sometimes we'll just look trashy. Sometimes shirts off. And I said, let's, let's flip, a while. flip it. And uh, Eric's not down with that mission today. So I said I will wear it next time, and I'll be the one who looks like an idiot next time. That's fine. I'll wear uh, a mesh tank top. Perfect. Um, Love it. So this we're, this this show is about basically we're we're about asking like talking to people like yourself that have been successful and kind of passing that kind of information along to the listeners. Uh, For sure. But we also are. 
in the comedy world. So we like to say we're the number one comedy business podcast because there's not anybody else in the genre. Nobody claims awesome. it. So right? We do. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we called it. We got dibs. We might have a, a fair amount of dick jokes, but I know you, your your company may want to use some of this to clip out. So we'll try to <laughs> keep them, you know, sp- sporadically sure, throughout. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, we'll get some clean. You're the one with clean, potty mouth, not me. What? I mean, look, uh, it, that's the thing with LinkedIn. Uh, we, we like to say we're, we want to be more anti-LinkedIn, like real talk, because LinkedIn feeds yeah, for sure. are just, it looks like, uh, you know, a publicist wrote everybody's posts. Right. right. Except yours. And, I agree. Uh, except ours. <laughs> and then I get a lot of <laughs> professional friends that are like, why are you <laughs> posting this joke on there? I'm like. You literally posted a video of you doing running the stairs in short shorts, <laughs> like this afternoon too. This is becoming really self indulgent on our I side. Know. Let's tell you more about ourselves real uh, quick. Well, no, look, I tried to write a joke. I, I my uh, our business dad mentory uh, Dean Akers, who's on the show a couple episodes ago. He goes, "Do you think you're doing anything with your stand up comedy career by not by not putting content out?" And I was like, "Fuck." And so, yeah, he's got you there. So I'll try to, if I'm doing a hard workout, I'll try to write the joke or try to think about how I'd shoot it while I'm doing it. And then I've got that runner's high, which should be called something else because it's not a really good high. And then I'll do it before I can really think about it. And then that's it. Ah. So anyway. if you want to know, if you wanted to know what we're about, I, sh- I think that should show you <laughs> that we, uh, we plan. We're very professional. Um, I was uh, I was looking. Can I throw some stats out for the listeners? Yeah, for sure. To give you give a little brief on who you are. Uh, you're founder and CEO of uh, High Level Marketing. You're kind of a sales driven visionary leader. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I'm a sales guy at heart. Shut um, me down. Got a lot of questions about that. Um, uh, just to humble brag, your your business, your agency, your marketing agency for B two C companies. You're about eight years old. Uh, 45% growth on average. Is that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so we're actually 12 years old and I actually sold cool. 80% of the business last year. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Doing we, we, consol- we, we consolidated, rolled up two agencies together and now we're 110 employees mm-hmm. and about 21 million in revenue. I got that. You're on the Inc 500 list three different times in 2016, 2018, 2019. And then I didn't get the number of websites you've cranked out, but I think it's in the thousands. Yeah, a lot. I think today we're we manage about a little over 2,000, 2,100 websites. Wow, that's. I mean, we Eric and I thought when uh, we were having when I my agency we were um, we were working together and we thought like yeah we've probably cranked out like two hundred websites in like five years yeah and thought that was pretty uh, pretty girthy but this is like. You know, two thousand is insane. How how is the model set up? Yeah, is it? Are you a syndicated marketing agency where you're doing syndicated content? You're doing templated stuff. You're shaking your head no. But uh, so I'm even more impressed that you you kind of do these bespoke. Uh, Can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So you know, early on, I set off to you know, I worked with a web development company that did everything things sort of like everything was custom every project that came through the door they completely blew up every relationship right and i was a sales guy so i'm like look to me it was almost harder to do a shitty job than to just do a good job on a website on a project yep 
So kind of throughout that process, when I figured out I want to start my own company, uh, my partner, now John Bowerman, CTO, he actually had his own platform that he had been working on and developed. So he was like this programmer, technical guy selling websites, right? Trying to do customer service, trying to onboard new customers, more of a technology guy. So when we came together, it was all about just, you know, getting the, getting the customer in, putting them through our platform, getting them out. So the whole model early on was charge a setup fee with a monthly recurring fee behind that. Yep. Like that was my vision. That was my goal. That's how we started. That's how we grew and scaled the business. So, you know, I never really liked the word template. So I kind of call it a framework. So we kind of use, you know, certain elements, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, a website today versus 10 years ago, you got logo, you got the heading, you got the navigation, you got the banner. I mean, it's it's very similar. Right. And our target market has always been small to mid-sized, you know, B2C type businesses. We're talking plumbers, roofers, electricians. So a lot of it kind of the look and feel and just the overall architectures are very similar in terms of what, like what actually gets people to click on a link or, you know, can, we're all about ROI and converting leads. So it was always like, you know, do you want to do something completely custom or do something that we know is going to convert and get you more leads and more traction? See, you know how okay. we know he's not a hack. He's the only, like one of the few web, web the word ROI, right? The, <clears throat> you know how few uh, web, you know, web-based marketing agencies, website-producing uh, marketing agencies. Look how many clicks I got you, though. Right. Never, right. ever. And they just talk about, you spend this money with us, we'll get you X back, which I think is a fucking fool's errand, but it sounds nice in the sales pitch. So I did uh, listen to an interview with you talking about how you had to make that process uh, high quality. Like, you yeah. really streamlined it. You know, so for people listening, look, a website is difficult. If, you, if you're working with a developer, if you ever have, you've probably been frustrated because a lot of them don't have process down. Um, they don't have their operations. Or people skills. Or, or people skills to communicate if they have an issue or, or trying to get proactive with it. But yeah. I really break it down a lot for, for process. And that's, that's on the inbound when they're, you're doing a kickoff meeting. But what they also, what people don't understand, it's like building a house. It's, uh, and I stole this metaphor from someone else, but it's basically you have a framework, which sounds like your, your, your partner had uh, his own CMS of sorts, a, a content management yep. system. For those who don't know what that is, it's like WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, Weebly. Uh, he had this packaged up. You're like, you got something great here. I, I can get it out there, right? So you guys kind of had a Reese's peanut butter cup of a partnership uh, of strengths. But what people don't get is it's like you have to build the frames, right? You have the, fr- the CMS is your foundation of the house. You got to build the, uh, the walls. Then you got to do the drywall. Then you got to do, uh, you know, whatever uh, the fixtures. Then, you know, it kind of zippers like that to finish uh, a website. And what people don't get is like if they don't know their own business, it's good that you're starting off in a hole. Yeah. Um, so, I'd like to hear more about the proprietary uh, CMS that seems to be. Yeah. The so best thing if out. you rewind back to like 2008, um, you know, Joomla was probably like our biggest competitor, right? right? And Joomla, for nobody that knows what that is, the interface is difficult to work with. You have to be like a, a full stack developer to operate that platform. So my partner and I, it was like, you know, we, we had developed something that like my mom could use to update a website. So 
the, the actual platform is called MICE, M-Y-C-E, and the acronym is Manage Your Content Easily. So it was sort of like that open door, like, you know, we can build your website. And then also, if you want, you can manage it yourself. And we knew that customers were not going to manage it themselves, but right. just giving them right. the ability to think that 24 hours a day, they can log into their website and make any edits, changes, modifications that they can. However, I had a full staff back at the office that would make any change for the customers, like a value add, or, you know, we could charge hourly if we wanted to. So it was sort of a win-win. It was sort of like that, hey, like, you can kind of control your website. However, like you have this really great company behind. And, you know, my vision early on was hire people that can support around that infrastructure. So whether it's an account manager, an SEO person, a content person, like we have experts in every facet of a web digital marketing package. So talking to a customer, it's not only are you getting into this MICE CMS package, you know, we have every detail of the web, you know, the web process covered. So you know, that was a that was a big key differentiator in the in the beginning was having that our own our own content manager. Now we still have that proprietary software, uh, but I would say 30% of the projects that we deploy are built in WordPress. And the reason being is there's still this stigma around like we don't want our stuff on your proprietary. Proprietary is scary. Right. Right. That's a scary word for some type from some customers. Um, so the customers that have somebody internally, whether it's a marketing person or their own developer and they prefer WordPress, we'll absolutely build in WordPress as well. Is it something you've thought about white labeling out or is that, I mean, to me, that'd be the yeah, next we, we, step. Yeah, we did. But at the end of the day, it was like, you know, WordPress is an open source platform and it's it's a pretty good, you know, piece of software. You know, we just figured that if we had our own internal team, so our the platform itself and what I really loved about it and I kind of want to keep it closed, it's almost like having our own iPhone. So when a customer has a website, as we push updates and new features and things come out, we're just pushing that to our customers. So for us to have that kind of closed loop, and I, I would say early on building the company and even till today, you know, there's a lot of learning curves around it. You know, I mean, it's, it's a custom built platform that has to like for a developer to get under the hood and just sort of go, you know, it's, they kind of have to come into HLM. And so we really haven't got there yet. We've been so focused on, growing our it's like the cobbler shoe effect right like so busy growing our customers and taking on new customers and building up technology <laughs> yeah so i mean at the end of the day like i thought about it but in terms of prioritization and like from a revenue driver like quite frankly i don't want to like hang out or play with other agencies i want to get in front of customers agencies are paying like we do things a certain way because that's how we feel and we're passionate about it and I don't want to prove ourselves to another agency. I just want to prove ourselves to customers or win more customers. Yeah, there's a lot of stank on that when you're having to, you're forced to collaborate via the client yeah. with another agency, and you're like, yeah, all right, how do you guys do things? Well, okay, we do right. things this way, and then it's it, it's like a weird passive aggressive kind of For co- sure. collaborative working environment. Yeah, the cobbler's children has no shoes dilemma. Yeah, I feel smart because Wes said it. Um, <laughs> uh, just Ain't for anybody no wondering, Word, WordPress has 64.9% of market share for all the CMSs out there. Uh, Shopify is 5.6, which I guess some people would just use straight up as a site instead of putting it in a WordPress. Joomla still rocking at 3.2, then Squarespace. Okay, can still, still beating us. Yeah, and so the thing with WordPress, and a lot of people get stuck there uh, and using it, it's because they're familiar with it. It's It was the leader back yeah. in the day. It was like the first like kind of drag and droppy, uh, not kind of, but like easy website maker for a lot of people. Yeah, 
I mean, I will say, I know you, you poo-pooed the idea of hanging out with other agencies. I could speak for law when I say we're always looking for something that encompasses everything. <clears throat> and I didn't get a chance to look at the reporting side of things mm-hmm. that you guys offer. But So that's, yeah. Yeah, just having those so, all in one spot and it's there for, you know, what it is, is unbelievably we're in a so that piece that piece is really what's interesting is our reporting it's our dashboard so i think the cms not so much but the the component of the dashboard so i think what's kind of interesting with this whole story is like i'm i'm a very transparent guy i'm a relationship guy so when i talk to a customer you know i want to set the right expectations and really give them transparency around look Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're striving for. You know, I was very communicative in the organization to say every customer that comes in through the door, we need to have a North Star. So when we use Salesforce, there was a mission statement on every client. Like, what is the client trying to accomplish? We would do business with, say, 50 plumbers. They all want something different, right? Some want to be ranked on the front page. Some need X amount of leads per month. It was all different. But I really challenged people to ask the question to understand, like, why are we doing business? What makes sense? So I think one of the biggest challenges as any agency faces is, you know, as a sales individual, how do you know if this is going to work, right? If you sell a plumber, you guys are in Florida, say Tampa, and you sell a plumber for SEO, local service, and you're a sales guy, you have no idea if it's going to work. Zero idea, right? You can get behind the product and understand that, hey, in the past, my company's done great work. So that was a challenge within our organization because, you know, salespeople go out and preach the you know gospel of like, you're going to just kill it. You're going to have rankings everywhere. The reality is it's like, it's not going to work for everybody. Some blah, blah, blah. Like it depends. A lot of it has to depend on, you know, where the client's ranking, what's been done up until that point. So long story short, we created a technology that can scan that URL to really spit out the outcome to say, look, if you're looking to rank in these certain areas, or if you're looking for X amount of leads or opportunities, you know, we can run this URL through the scanner and it'll spit out the outcome. So what's nice about that, it actually gave our salespeople tangible information to go out and now stand behind and say, look, if we do business, this is what we can provide. And then upon sale, we then can take that and use that blueprint throughout production. So where I think there's an opportunity here with to work with additional other agencies is that component, because the reporting yeah. is just like unbelievable in terms of like clicking a button and knowing all the all the details that that customer needs to know. Yeah. And I love, um, I love that objective first uh, method, right? So it's like, it's like how you, you get your car fixed now, right? You take it in, they just kind of, a lot of them have just computers on it. You go right. in, you can get that diagnostic kind of in a snapshot. Yeah. Except you pay for right. the extra stuff they throw at you. Well, I mean, agency, what do they used to do, they 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 used to do before, right? The guy would lean against the car and say, I, I right, can get right. your uh, transmission. And you're like, oh shit, how much is that going right. to cost? Yeah. It never was the transmission. You know? Yeah. And it, you know, you're saying, um, you know, the problem you were trying to solve there was, uh, you know, these guys are going out, but they, they're just making promises. Don't know they can keep necessarily. So you kind of designed a way to kind of give them confidence to talk about it. Um, and then I love that you can then use those numbers as your benchmarks throughout the project. And, the customer knows it, you know it, and, and that, you exceed those, great. So, and they gave so that So the to beauty you. of it, the beauty of it was my partner and I, like, we would sell projects and my production team's ripping their hair out because they're like, how are we going to fulfill this? Or we didn't charge enough or we overcharged. This really eliminated those challenges. Um, but it, 
the beauty is like as my account management team, because one of the things that we really talk about is like the white glove service. So any customer of ours has a dedicated account manager. So let's say a customer calls and there's a challenge or the account managers, you know, saying, hey, customers pissed off or whatever the case is. We're all speaking from the same sheet of music. So like we know exactly. So like I could grab any report at any given time and talk to a customer and say, here's the data. And I can speak intelligently around the data and then educate the entire company around the data points. So it was like this because before we had that, it was like he said, she said, they're mad about this. And it was like a complete oh, yeah. shit show. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, Eric and I have been familiar. trying to, we're, yeah, we've been tr- we're looking at each other, uh, even though he's he looks like he's a blind dude right now. But we've been we were just staring at each <laughs> other because we've been trying to we've been talking about this for months uh, because let's say he's got an account. Uh, gets hit by a bus. I need. I want to be yep. able to see. I want to see us coverage exactly where he's at. If I have to just go talk to him and kind of handle anything, because we we have a concierge ish kind of uh, client service style as well. So it's one of those things where uh, we'll have to get your info. I don't think we ha- actually have your contact info. It's because it was through the booker, but we might have to get it for this reporting. Uh, method because we're in Something. reporting hell too. That yeah, was another thing. It's, yeah. That Peter. Well, it was nice. It was almost like I mean I'm, I'm a big analogy guy, but mm-hmm. imagine like I'm the web doctor, right? And when there's a problem, I'll say, "Show me the report." Like I want to see your blood work. You can make all these assumptions and say, "I think this is going on. That's going on." I'll listen to that, but give me the report, and I'll look at the data and be like, "Fix this. Spend time here. Do this. There you go. Take two of these and call me in a week." Yep. And that that's like how we operated. And it was it just really that was like that catalyst that really helped us just spike and retain because I think at the end of the day, customers, whether you're selling a website or, or any widget, it's just being having an honest conversation with the customer and saying, look, we're looking at the same data. This is the goal we're trying to achieve. This is the work we've been doing. Let's just talk about it and review every 90 days, right? And if we're either getting closer to the goal or we're not, but at least we're being transparent and we're on the same page and looking at the same things. I literally made that same analogy about uh, about reporting. I was like, I want to have some kind of standardized report that we're working on where it's like a doctor making rounds, right? That first page is a snapshot, tells you the vitals, right? Tells you everything right there. And then if you need to dig deeper or be right behind it, <clears throat> it let's say you print it out. But like, I, I totally agree with that because there's so many variables with digital that people don't understand and so and you can't touch any of it. You can't, you're not making anything physical. They of, need to see a piece right. of paper with some graphs on it. Right. Right. It's sort of what we've done in the company. It's kind of interesting because now that we're 110, you know, strong, we have like, we have like five different segments of our account management team. So we have like our, you know, our accounts that spend, you know, over 5,000 a month. Right. And then certain buckets. Right. And then I think as you scale up, it's just, the account managers have deeper knowledge and they can understand the vitals more, meaning they identify a problem, but then can offer solutions and actually implement a strategy behind it. So it's like, you know, all this is a work in process, but I think we've used this method as kind of like the the North star of, you know, it just really, it just helps kind of let everybody in the organization look at everything the same way with no ambiguity. Well, we're giddy that you figured it out because I don't think there's a lot of y'all uh, around the world, honestly. No, I kind of joke, you know, I kind of joke like, you know, we did a deal last year, we consolidated, we're in this new company. I'm like, we have all these great clients, we have all this great stuff going, but I'm like, the real asset of what we have 
is some of the technology we have behind the curtain. You know, I mean, that's the real value. And we've kind of struggled with that. I mean, honestly, as a company, like, are we a web company? Or are we a tech company? You know, I mean, it's all those things that we've talked about. We have a website as a service product now. You know, we really, you know, we want to create a solution for a customer where, you know, if they're paying five to 15000 up front, that's always a tough pill to swallow, right? I don't right. care how much money you do as a, as a small business. So we just said, screw it. We'll just do a monthly payment and lock a customer in for 24 months and just kind of throw everything at it. So we've introduced that. We've had a lot of great success with it. I mean, just give you like the perspective, like I think we did about 1.6 million of new business last month, like new web projects coming in the door. Nice. So like we have to have these reports because, well, I mean, it is a well-oiled machine right. coming into our, you know, and I think that the beginning really helped us debate, argue, go through all these challenges to kind of create these really cool systems and processes that are sort of, you know, if you do get hit by a bus, at least we have the data. And then you can train somebody on that data and continue on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a speed. Yeah. The, uh, speed what, two. That's the boat. You don't remember speed two. Five boats and yeah. buses. You're, you're going to go on your cruise ship to a lot of work Fire Island. Up, bud. Um, yeah. So I, I totally agree. And it's that thing of like, was figuring out this process with the reporting, with, with the production side – is that a that was a necessity breeds innovation thing internally, correct? Yeah, it was a it was a real entrepreneurial moment, right? I yeah. mean, I wish tell to me, say tell like me about we were, the moment where you I, got frustrated. I, I wish we were in a lab and we're doing all these tests, but what it was, my partner says, stop having sales selling these fucking projects with these expectations. And I said, fuck you, why don't you build something to fix it? Yeah, and he came nice. back on Monday Way with to the turn tool. it around. It took you twenty three minutes, but we got you to cuss. Nice. <laughs> no, that wasn't the first time. Oh, really? But I mean, that was the beauty of it. I mean, it was like a real conversation around. You know, we both knew it was a problem, and how he reacts to things is he wants a challenge, and he was like, you know what? Let me see if I can fix it through technology, and he did. And I said, look, now when sales sales has to run through every every deal, they need to run this through the the tool, and then we'll sell to the tool. Now we can use it as a guide. So it was a win win. I mean, and it just it worked really really well. Good t- template or framework uh, for everything. Framework, yeah. yeah, I think um, I I've told I want it. I've told people. Well, here like so so why I did like why what I used to talk about early on. So I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So what's here? The manufacturing, the big three: Chrysler, GM, Ford. So what I was telling small businesses is, look, like you have Ford Motor Company who builds the F-150. Yep. You can get the shitty base one, you can get the luxury one, or you can get the Raptor, right? And that's essentially what we're doing. You have the framework, right? All the trucks come down the same thing. It's it's the difference of the 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 leather, the the suspension. And I mean, you can buy a 40, well, I don't know now, trucks, everything's yeah. so damn expensive. But like, let's say you could buy a $40,000 truck or you can spend 110. What do you want to do? Yeah. What are you trying to accomplish? Do you want to look cool in front of the chicks driving by a bar? Or do you just want to get from point A to point B? And I think that's where we kind of take another step with a customer to say, what are you trying to accomplish, right? And and you've scaled with your clients. It sounds like like at at a, at a good trajectory. So like, just like the car metaphor, you might be in high school and you have a Ford Fiesta. Absolutely. Uh, but now you're you know uh, twelve years later, you might be able to uh, get that Lightning coming out that new Absolutely. Ford uh, truck. Yeah, loose on that metaphor. That's pretty good. West pretty did good. A better job. Pretty solid. I just wanted to get Ford Fiesta in. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Work-life balance. You have four kids. Whoa. Yeah. Four that I know of, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, man. 
Wait, we both have got snipped. We got or four combined. Cauterized. Uh, yeah. Do you want the yeah, guy's man? number? Yeah, Doctor Stein. Uh, yeah, so dude, you know, we got I'm the Michael a... Jordan of snipping down here. He's the best. So I'm waiting to come see him. So half my friends, I hear <laughs> like the horror stories. Half are fine. I'm kind of like playing with fire right now, but you know. Hey, you're gonna be in Sarasota next week. Just knock you'll it see out. his billboards. It's yeah, lots of them. It's in it, his website. <laughs> they probably need your help because they're they yeah. are stuck in like geo cities. But uh, maybe we can negotiate a negotiate a little deal. I'm serious. This guy is the best. He's the Tom Brady of cauterizing. He, he, he has like a scoreboard on the on the nice. billboards yeah. that he oh, sweet. over ninety nine thousand balls wow. snipped. Yeah, he goes. They Doctor Stein goes to the Philippines on mission trips. To give free vasectomies, it's oh. wild. That's he's like, I'm so good, I'll do this on vacation. Um, but uh, four kids now, work life balance is always interesting to me. Uh, I think Eric as well with entrepreneurs. It's it's a delicate. How do you find your boundaries? What's your what's your schedule like? If you can kind of summarize it. Yeah, for sure. So you know, I I think early on when I set the company, I really came off you know running the organization like family's important like. I'm going to go to my son's hockey game. I'm going to go to the school thing. Like that was always like a non-negotiable. I think I attracted and kept a lot of team members because they saw that they believed it and they felt comfortable that when they have a kid or like they can kind of do whatever they need to do. So I, as an entrepreneur, like I see some people like they're kind of grinding, banging their head against the wall, working 24 hours. Like I was always like, look, I'm going to, from the hours of like seven 30 to five, like I'll grind. Right. But what I've been doing lately is I kind of look at like work-life integration, right? Especially like working from, you know, I'm at my home, COVID. Um, what I do is I try to shut everything off at five o'clock till nine o'clock. So what I actually did is I went to Amazon and I bought a $30 lockbox for my cell phone huh. and it's on my desk and I stick it in this little machine and it locks my phone and I can't touch it. So what I do, and I, I set it for four hours. So from five to nine, Monday through Thursday, I try to be present with my family. Like my son had hockey tonight. I, then I came here to do the, the podcast. Like I just try to be, you know, family's important to me. So I've actually looked at, you know, I sleep eight hours a night. There's like 5,824 available hours in a year. Mm -hmm. And 50% of those hours, I'm, I'm allocating that to my family. And I'm allocating 30% of my time to business efforts and 20% to myself. Like I try to work out. I try to just kind of do shit for myself. But you know, that's, that's always a, you know, day to day it's touch and go. I, I use that as a framework. It obviously day to day, it doesn't happen all sure. the time, yeah. but I think about it. Right. I, I try to be intentional. I try to be present. It's hard. Right. I mean, these things are good and bad, you know, cause you can get, you know, people can get a hold of you or things happen. You get stuck in your email, but you know, I've, I've just tried to work Poor really night. hard just to focus and give them the time and attention. Cause they're young, you know, they're 12, nine, nine and seven. And Goes by fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been trying to work on that as well. Even I was having trouble. Even if I put everything away, I'm still thinking about work, and I'm. I have to now. Doing it in your mind. Right. Like, oh, well, I'll do that next, and that'll be the next thing, and what I, you know, like. And now I've really tried to hone in on just like cutting it off completely. And if I got to get up a little earlier uh, to knock something out, you know, that's how, that's what I'll do. But I wasn't being present. I was thinking about it in the same way. It's it's one of those things where you're like it's going to go by in a flash. It's the you know the days are long and the years are short kind of thing, and so yeah. it, it it sounds like you took the same method of a problem that you were having and and really put almost your own scientific method to figuring out the the solve for it. Right. So you know it's interesting that you you had enough uh, 
you know, enough kind of self-awareness to go, I'm not good enough. I got to put this in a lockbox, right? You know, what's crazy is, I mean, honestly, like my wife and I, it was kind of funny. Like we're looking at each other. We're like both on our phone and we're like, man, all the kids want to do is play video games. They're attached to their devices. <laughs> As right. my wife and I are talking and we're both kind of like Texting not even paying other, attention to each other. other. And I'm like, damn. And then when I actually got this box, it's the hardest thing to do. Like I noticed myself wanting to grab my phone so much. It's like this kind of addiction, you know? And uh, yeah. yeah. You know what I did too? Like I... I I just, you know, there's only so much time in the day. I think you know, I turned 40 this, this past year and like kind of with this deal with the company, I just kind of said, you know, like none of this shit matters. Like I used to chase money early on. Like I wanted to make a bunch of money. Yeah. I had a certain number in my mind. Once I make this amount of money, I'm going to be so fucking happy. Well, I hit that number quickly and I'm like, huh, nothing happened. Like nothing changed. Yeah. And then it kind of kept going and kept going. I think once we started chasing money, stop chasing money as an organization, like all this stuff just started happening. And I, I started to think about like from a family perspective, like what, what matters, you know, like d- does it matter if I work harder to gain that extra client? Like we've already hit this critical, you, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. at what, at what point does it become? Why am I chasing this? Why, yeah. yeah. Cause it's like this, to, this to unfulfilled, to, like to provide yeah. for my family that I can't see. And yeah. it's like, I've, I, I kind of, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed that I've, I've been able to hit that, so I can provide for my family. And it's like, now it's just the only thing I can invest is myself and my time. Like I can't delegate myself or my own time to my family. At least I don't want to do it anyway. I think Wes should be our life coach. Yeah. We, we need you <laughs> as a residency guest on this podcast. Uh, we, we will be uh, respectful for time. We try to keep these to about 33 minutes. Um, but uh, if you can come back on, I, we have a lot more questions. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, Thank ready. you so much. I really appreciate it. No, you, this is, you're one of the best guests we've ever had. I think uh, there's a, and a lot more uh, to talk about. I, we didn't even get to the sales stuff, your partnership stuff, uh, you know, acquiring a company uh, or, or a partnership company uh, that you just worked out. We ask every guest the first time they're on this podcast, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? Oh, man. Advice I'd give my 13 year old self. Yeah, deep. We know. <laughs> It'd be uh, shut the fuck up and listen. Right. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Were you listen. always were you always trying to think of the next thing to say in conversations and just be brooding? You know, and I felt like I always just thought like I had it. <laughs> I always thought I had it figured out myself. Yeah. You know, and I think like I'm 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 a big re- I'm not a reader. I'm an audiobook guy. Yeah. I'm listening to this book right now by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's an amazing book. I, I highly recommend it. But like his philosophy on just, you know, how to build business and personal life. And I think my 13-year-old self, I just had these, I don't know, like what I've learned and experienced. It's kind of interesting just to be like, listen and take feedback from people and filter it the, the right way. Yeah. Don't take it too personally. Sometimes, you know, actually just take it as criticism. Right. Uh, yeah, that's they're not coming at you. I don't think anybody's had that answer. I like that. Oh, I like it. I like that one too. <laughs> you go in a you go in a time machine. You go back to get yourself by the lapels at thirteen years old, and you go shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you get arrested in the past. Well, I mean, still in my brain, I'm still like a you know thirteen year old kid, right? I mean, well, that that's why I, you're the perfect guest for this. Show. Right, great. Uh, we didn't even, we didn't even get into any of the filthy sound drops we've got or any of that. Um, but uh, uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll try to get your info through the Booker and. Uh, 
Yeah, we might need your reporting stuff, so we might need to Yeah, man, thanks. Anytime, man. Reach out anytime. Love to. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll hit you up later. See ya. Thanks, man. See ya. See ya.